I'm Christy Hurt, the founder of The CoLab, which is a member-led, inclusive global networking community for fashion, beauty, wellness, retail, and consumer luxury professionals. I'm glad you're back for season two, where we have more career stories. Every week, two members interview each other, so you'll get to hear two different stories. I hope you'll learn from these stories, listen to them, share them, and join us and tell your own story. Hi, everyone. My name is Victoria Lee, and I am joined today with Richard Vera, who uh, I am going to speak to about his career. So nice to meet you, Richard. Hi, Victoria. It's so great to meet you. Yeah, so why don't we just jump in, but could you tell me a little bit about where you are today and also your background? Absolutely. I'll tell you a little bit about my background first. Um, I'm actually from Ecuador. I um I, I came to the U.S. Uh, first as a student. I went to University of Miami, and then I did my MBA at Vanderbilt. Um, I met a beautiful Panamanian girl, and then I got married. And um, I went back to Ecuador for a few months, and then I came back to the U.S. in 1999. And I started looking for a job, and I was incredibly lucky and blessed to have landed at L'Oreal. Um, they have the travel retail division back in Miami for the luxury division. Um, and I studied there as area manager for Lancome um, for local markets of Latin America. After that, after three years at L'Oreal, I joined Estee Lauder, uh, where my career really kind of took off. I started as area manager, I then I went on to become regional director. And then after a few years, I got promoted to vice president of international for Lab Series. Lab Series is a small, um, Skinker for Men brand, and I was basically in charge of growing the brand in sales, profit, and market share uh, all over the world except the U.S. Um, and then after that, actually, the company went through a restructuring, and they actually um, canceled my job, and they had to put together my division with with Clinique with another brand. Um, so I was at God Estee Lauder. And after a year of looking for a new opportunity and deciding on where to go, I landed at Sandbird, uh, which is a wonderful um, digital beauty startup um, with a subscription-based business model. Um, I stayed at Sandbird for two years. And just recently, I realized that uh, the job that I was doing there evolved a lot to a point where it wasn't what I wanted to do. So I decided to pivot again uh, in the middle of a pandemic, believe it or not. And I decided to, um, to transition myself from a full-time to a consulting role at Sember and, and, and actually also started consulting for other uh, amazing startups in beauty, uh, which is what I'm doing right now. And with the potential of one of them actually might become a full-time in the future. And so that's in a snapshot uh, my career. Impressive. Very impressive. How did, so you mentioned pivoting recently uh, into consulting. How... How did you find that process, pivoting from like a corporate role into consulting, which seems so open-ended? <laughs> yeah, no, it's been fantastic. Um, so, you know, the reason why I left Sember is because, uh, you know, what I learned in a startup is that a startup moves very fast. And when you join a startup, you, um, you wear many hats, you do many things. And at the beginning in my role there, I was doing many things, actually, with a very specific you know, functional role, but I was also doing other things. And, you know, as it happens, companies grow, especially startups, to a point where they're able to hire more people and have a clear definition of roles and functions, uh, which is a good thing. It's a positive thing. 
Um, but the way that my job evolved, it wasn't in the direction that I was evolving. And it's, it's funny because I know that you're in merchandising and it actually ended up evolving into a merchandising role, which is not really my cup of tea or what I do. Um, so, you know, I, I, I took a really hard look at myself and I decided, you know what, this is really not what I want to do. Um, and literally in, at the end of March, just as the pandemic was started, I had a very candid conversation with, uh, with the CEO, with the founder, my boss. And uh, we decided that I would transition into a, um, a consulting role there. And I had consulted in the past. And it's funny because I actually joined Semper first as a consultant and then they made me a full time. So I knew this was a path uh, in full transparency to a full time role potentially in the future. Um, but also because at this point, and this is the one thing that I would say is important about transitioning into consulting, is that uh, I've already built, obviously, a lot of experience. I've been in beauty for almost 20 years. And more importantly, by the way, um, I already have uh, like a Rolodex, basically. I mean, I, I, I do have a few connections here that I, you know, I could tap on um, in terms of getting into consulting roles, which is exactly what I did. And, and you know, I've been... Um, um, blessed enough to be to have landed a couple of roles in that um so that's the thing that i would the first thing that i would say is that if you want to transition into consulting you want to make sure that you have of course the, the in-depth experience uh, to be successful um and second of all you need to hopefully have connections because obviously um you know if you want to land one of these roles you want to make sure that you're talking to the right people that can get you there and the other thing i would say about transitioning into consulting is that at this also is about timing right so right now, uh, being an advisor or, or a consultant is actually quite relevant. Why? Because obviously, as many companies have furloughed or, you know, fired people, they still need to get the job done. So what ends right. up happening is that they they go to consultants or advisors like me who can do that at a, at a much, much lower uh, cost, so to speak. And the other thing that is fantastic about this beauty industry is that there's a lot of indie small brands that are growing very fast that need support and that's where you know all this experience kicks in right so they look at people like me basically who have a lot of experience in terms of you know having worked at very big companies knowing how to put together structures and strategies that are going to drive them to the next stage of growth um so that obviously makes it easier for me to transition into these into these type of roles Gotcha. Wow. So you have had a very extensive career in beauty. Um, I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts about how beauty has evolved over the past couple of years. Uh, and now, especially with COVID, um, how, how that's going to change or is it still on the same path that it was before? Oh, no, it has changed so much, and it's meant to continue changing. I mean, um, the first thing that I would say is that uh, I fell in love with this industry when I started, you know, back in Miami. Uh, but what I love about beauty is that you have this ability to innovate so much, and this is an industry that evolves so quickly and so frequently that you really have to keep up with it. I mean, it's just an industry that evolves I mean, COVID has taken it to a whole new level in terms of how fast it has changed because it had to. But even before COVID, I would definitely think that, you know, the industry keeps changing and evolving all the time. Let it be because of new technologies. Let it be because new categories that are coming up, um, you know, because new brands are popping up and things like that. Um, so the way that I see this industry has evolved um, it's in three ways, mainly. I mean, what has happened, obviously, after COVID is that first and foremost, you know, digital has consolidated itself 
um, as the retail and marketing channel for, not for the future, but for today. Like one of the things that we have seen in beauty in, in this pandemic is that the brands that had a heavier reliance on DTC, on their e-commerce side of things, and they did a lot better than the more traditional brands that had a lot of exposure and presence in department stores and retail stores. Um, so what ended up happening is that, of course, right now, the, game, the name of the game is digital. Let it be from an e-commerce perspective, let it be from a marketing and advertising perspective. Um, it's really a digital moment right now. The second thing that has been interesting about beauty is that, uh, and I mentioned this earlier, is this influx of new and novel brands and categories. Um, CBD did not exist before, right? Um, sustainability, mm-hmm. um, you know, this new wave of sustainable brands, clean beauty, um, all of this did not exist a few years ago. Um, and the brands, which is something super interesting, like two of the most successful brands in, let's just speak makeup right now, two of the most successful makeup brands in the world right now are brands that did not exist, what, five years ago, like Huda Beauty and Kylie Cosmetics, for example, right? And <laughs> right. if you think about it, the way that they existed and the way that they grew is because, you know, they had these massive influencers behind it um, and this new way of marketing and promoting themselves via social media and digital channels, right? So this business model that these two brands specifically have created and many brands have followed, for example, well, not, they didn't create it, but that they followed, is something that did not exist years ago, right? The way that companies like Estee Lauder and L'Oreal were building brands, um, they were thinking TV, they were thinking magazines, you know, they were thinking, you know, billboards on whatever Main Street in the world. That has completely changed, right? Um, and again, these new categories and more categories are coming on the way as well. Like there's new technologies in research and development that are, um, you know, leading the way in terms of new categories on skincare that are coming up, on hair care that are coming up. So that's it. the second thing that I think has, has evolved a lot in beauty. And the third one, and I touched upon this earlier, is the emergence of what, is, what I call conscious consumption. I think that sustainability and clean beauty um, is really changing the name of the game. Um, I think in the future, every brand is going to have to be sustainable. You know, sustainable packaging is the way to go. Um, sustainable and clean ingredients is the way to go. Um, the younger generation, the Gen Z, um, the millennials are looking for that type of brands and they identify with those type of brands. And these are the brands that are being successful today and the brands of, of, of the future really is, is these are are the brands that are going to um, basically come across as the brands that are want to save the world, that they have a big purpose on, and they're being mindful about making sure that we are keeping, you know, a, a, a good world, you know, a good future for our, um, for our future generations. Um, so, yeah, so this is where I think beauty has evolved and it will continue evolving and changing, which is one of the things that fascinates me so much about this industry. Right. Yeah. Fascinating. I you mentioned uh, clean clean beauty. Uh, do you see yourself still uh, focusing on in this space in the future? Like, do you see yourself continuing with consulting with smaller brands, or do you have something else that you're sort of working towards? That's a great question. Um, well, the I am consulting right now with one of the specific brands that I'm ta- that I'm consulting for is actually Caio uh, Body Care. I literally just started with them. Um, Kayo was created by um, an influencer in fitness. Her name is Christine Bullock. Um, maybe you have heard of, of her. 
if you are you know interested in fitness and wellness you i'm sure that you know who she is um and uh it's a wonderful brand that has been just revamped recently and i'm helping them in the next stage of growth um but that one is a clean brand as well now the definition of clean is something that needs to be much better defined so to speak right i mean there's a lot of brands that call themselves clean but they're not really clean um, there's a lot of clean standards out there. Sephora has their own clean standard, um, Credo Beauty, um, you know, Detox Market. There's so many of these um, retailers that are talking clean, but nobody seems to agree on what ingredient is exactly clean and which ingredient is not. So I think that um, clean is definitely here to stay. In regards to your question, if I'm going to stay on clean beauty, it's hard for me to say. Um, but the one thing that I would say is that more and more brands are coming into into the movement of, of clean beauty. Um, so there's a big chance that I will end up actually um, helping and consulting or even working for, for clean beauty. Absolutely, that's, that definitely could be the case. Totally, gotcha. So do you have any advice that you would give people interested in pivoting uh, into beauty? Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that, you know, if, if you're interested in moving into beauty, if you're in, in fashion or other industries that are similar to beauty, um, the first thing that I would suggest is is find a contact, uh, you know, somebody that works in beauty. Um, networking as, as a fundamental job searching tool is, to me, um, the most important one, right? So just like in any other job search, you want to find somebody who, who already works in beauty and, you know, and, and tap into the industry that way. Um, the truth is that the beauty industry is actually very big in terms of size, but it's actually quite small in regards to the people that work in it. I mean, what ends up happening is that there's a lot of yeah. circulation of people. There's a lot of circulation of people within the beauty industry. Um, the beauty companies, you know, they need to act fast. So they usually look for people who already have those um, that marketing sensibility, especially in prestige. And those reactions in regards to, or those, or, or the Rolodex, really, you know, if you know, you know, if you know the buyer at Sephora and Ulta, you know that that really helps, right? So, so that's why there's a lot of circulation among the industry. And once you get into beauty, I always say um, it's really hard to get out um, because you'll always be reached out by X, Y, Z company or brand or whatever. And it's difficult to leave because you're always being tapped on by, by all of these companies that are coming up. So if you want to move into the industry, you definitely want to try, you know, to talk to people that are already in it. And the other thing that I would recommend is you want to be very clear on what is your value proposition and how your skill set is transferable into the beauty industry, obviously. I mean, it's... This, this obviously makes a lot of sense. Um, but I think in the beauty industry, you want to make sure that um, that you're very clear on that, right? So whenever you're talking to somebody in the industry, a potential contact that could lead into a potential job, you just want to make sure that you're very clear as to what is it that you're bringing to the table that can actually be applicable. Um, throughout my career, I feel that a lot of beauty brands, again, they just need to get it done, right? And um, there's a lot of talent in the industry. So more and more, I think I, I find, and including myself, because I, you know, as a senior manager or executive, I used to hire a lot of I hire a lot of people myself. So it's it's just easier, you know, to look into somebody who has uh, who has experience in the industry. To be honest with you, um, and the third thing that I will say now um, is actually you need to find obviously the right fit for you. You know, if uh, there's companies, and I have done this myself as well, where I have said, you know what. I don't want a, a beauty person right now. 
for this specific role, for this specific moment in time where my brand is, I need somebody who is thinking completely different than us. I already have the skills that build internally, and I need somebody who can bring a fresh set of eyes or different points of views to my brand. So that does happen, definitely, for sure. Um, so you want to make sure that, again, you establish um, relationships and you know you basically create a network of, of people in the industry that can help you find the right fit for you. So you mentioned like earlier that you had yourself noticed that there wasn't a good fit. Uh, could you maybe expand a little bit more? Like when was it like when did you realize that it wasn't a good fit? You mean for me? Yes. Sure. Um, so in the case of, of my last company that I, that I was working for, which it was Semper, um, it just wasn't a good fit because, again, um, I think that the, the job itself evolved into something different. And, um, again, it has nothing to do with, with the company. It's actually a result of a positive change uh, because, again, the company was growing and we were able to hire more people and, and to really understand what we really needed. Um, what is interesting about startups, I feel that, you know, at the beginning, like I said, you wear many hats and you're figuring things out, you know, it's very normal, um, you know, so you kind of have to adapt. And if you're not ready to adapt, which is, which is the case for me in full transparency, um, because it's not what you want in your life, then, you know, you have to make the decision to, to look somewhere else, which is, which is basically what I did. And what was interesting for me is that is the timing wasn't fantastic because I just decided to do that in March, um, just as COVID was beginning in the world. Um, but I have to say, um, the way that things developed, and I thought it was the right thing to do for me, basically. I just felt like the universe was just guiding me to, to this decision. And I thought about it a lot. I talked about it with my family, and I told them, basically, you know what, this is not... not just not the right fit for me anymore. And it's nothing bad. You know, um, again, when I decided to quit, I had a, a wonderful conversation with my, uh, with my founder and she completely understood it. She's amazing. And, and again, I transitioned, you know, beautifully actually into a consulting role, which is what I'm, what I'm still doing with them. Um, so, I mean, that's the one thing that I will, that I will say to, to whoever is listening to us, you know, it's, um, you have to listen to your God, you know, you have to listen to your heart um, sometimes it's hard because you want to make sure you're making, you know, a smart decision and the right decision. But um, throughout my career and in my years of experience, I, I definitely have realized that sometimes you just have to hear what your heart is telling you to do and follow totally. that lead and let the universe rearrange itself and realign itself to fulfill your higher purpose. And that has been really important for me as well, like understanding which was that purpose that I wanted to to do and um and and you know just really understand what is it that i wanted to where is it that i wanted to go and i have to tell you um i have never i've never felt bad i've never felt bad about about uh, about about leaving cerberus a full time it's been a fantastic you know few months that i've been doing what i've been doing and i may end up actually going back to full time because of 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 the way my consulting roles are going so uh, I've never felt better, actually. So it's been great. Gotcha. Super awesome. So looking back on your incredible career journey, what would you highlight as some of your prouder moments? I'm very curious to hear because, you know, I've, I myself have only been working for a few years, but I would love to hear some of your greatest hits, so to speak. 
Um, well, I have quite a few from a purely like performance perspective, but I have to tell you, um, one of the proudest things that I am uh, in my career is to see uh, my former team, mem- my former team members grow. Um, I am always very proud, and my chest just inflates when I talk about the fact that um, I have a handful of people that I hire and that I groom and that today are vice president or general managers in in different companies. And uh, nothing makes me feel better uh, when, you know, than when they still approach me and they let me know where their career is going. And they tell me, they still tell me that this is because of me, um, because of what they learned when, when we were together and, and, and things like that. So it's, uh, that that would be for me the most rewarding thing in my career, honestly, I have to say. And then yes, I've had you know great success in in growing brands, in launching brands in many different channels around the world. Um, I've opened distribution all over the world for Lab Series. I took Lab Series to be number one in Japan and things like that. And and you know, but this is just a result of of your hard work and dedication. And of course, it makes me feel very proud. Um, but again, I mean, I think my proudest moment is when I see my team or my formal team um, just grow into something better. That's when I feel that I make a real difference in the world. Amazing, yeah. So I'm also curious, like, you know, you mentioned the importance of networking. Uh, Has there been any mentors that you've had? Um, Have you mentored anybody? And, you know, like, how do you, how does one start find a mentor? Um, yes, I think um, mentorship is important both ways. I, I strongly recommend to have, a, to have mentors in your life. I definitely do that. Um, I've always tried to make sure that my bosses um, mentor me as much as possible. I've always had a great relationship with my, uh, with my bosses. And one of them in particular, uh, one of my last, you know, my, my second to last boss at Estee Lauder is, and he's probably the, my close, the one that I'm the closest with, uh, was probably the one that had the most influence in my career. I was still in travel retail um, with him, and you know we still stay in touch. Um, and I think that what made him so important for me um, is the fact that he um, he wasn't shy and that he was tough. That um, you know because of my personality, I guess, and because of our relationship. I mean, this is the guy who was not afraid to to tell me like it is and and to tell me what I really needed to do to drive myself to to succeed, right? To really take myself to the next level. And, um, you know, even though sometimes those are hard moments or hard conversations to have, I, to the day, I will always appreciate, um, you know, him being um, so transparent and so, so, so candidly honest with me uh, when he had to tell me what I did. And I did the same thing, I have to say. Um, you know, when I had the opportunity and the blessing, honestly, of mentoring uh, people in my teams, um, I took it upon myself as well to make sure that, you know, you, you need to look at the human and you need to make sure that, that, that your message resonates with that person if you want that person to really grow, right? I mean, um, everybody's different. And I think you have to have different approaches. In, when you're a leader, you have to have different approaches with people depending on their personalities and where they are in their lives. Um, but at the end of the day, you want to make sure that you're honest and transparent with them. And that has always been my, my motto in, in, in full transparency when it comes down to mentoring. I just want to make sure that, you know, even if it's a hard conversation to have, I will tell you what I feel is 
what you really need to grow and get to that success level that you would like to get to. And like I said, um, my proudest moments is, is to see my team members continue to grow and reach great, fantastic new professional levels. And they still tell me how important it was in their careers. So <clears throat> at this point in my life, I am in a, in a space where I know how, how I am and how I mentor and how I coach and how I lead. Um, and um, so, yeah, so it's, 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 uh, it's been rewarding. And um, I always deal with transparency and honesty, basically, uh, when it comes down to, to helping somebody and mentor somebody. I have one more question. I love your story about how you've grown in, in the beauty industry. I'm curious to hear what, like, what it is about the beauty industry that has kept you here for, for your whole career. Yeah, um, I think that it's always changing. It's always evolving. It's always new. It's beautiful, obviously, because it's beauty. I'm not going to deny to you that there's a lot of wonderful perks that come with working in beauty. And the creativity that I found um, in this industry has been just so rewarding. Um, I can confidently say that there is no dull moment in beauty. Um, I'm, a, I'm an avid reader, so um, I have a lot of memberships, um, you know, CW and WWD and all of these things that are very common in beauty. And I literally read every day the articles that they post. And it's just so fascinating to me when I reflect on, on my daily readings, how every day I'm learning something new. Um, every day there's something changing. There's something, there's a new technology. There's a new way of doing things. I mean, even the company that I worked for previously, Semper itself, is incredibly innovative. It's a completely new way of sampling fragrances, right? So, I mean, that's what fascinates me about this industry. I, I feel that I'm going to be 100 years old or whatever. I don't think I'm going to get to 100. But if I get to 80, um, this industry is going to be completely different. Not even. I'm going to get to 60, and this industry is going to be a completely different industry. And, and that is what fascinates me so much about this. I mean, I'm, the fact that I'm, I was blessed enough to, um, to lean into an industry that is like that has been one of the biggest blessings in my life. So I'm very, very, very happy. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Richard, for taking the time to talk with us. Thank you so much, Victoria. I appreciate your time as well. Thanks for listening to the CoLab Career Stories. Follow us on social media at Join the CoLab and join us so you can tell your story.